Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season, we are doing 1973, and here we are, the last of the movies, American (laughs) Graffiti. I am your host, Greg, and I'm very happy to be with you right now. Also here with me on this, what really is truly a game show are two of my very best friends vying to be best friend overall. And this is a biggie because this determines who will be the best friend for all of the off season because this is the last movie, last opportunity to grab onto the brass ring that is my best friendum. Uh, How do you do it? Well, you give correct answers. You make good points. You say something that makes me laugh. You uh, you gently compliment me. You aggressively insult me. These are the things that are going to get you points almost every time. Uh, Ryan giving puns, maybe 50% of the time a point for Ryan, 50% of the time a point for Mike. Ryan, you were on the longest of winning streaks. How does it feel to just be racking up victory after victory? Well, Craig, um, it feels great, but there is it's not just why I uh, like my talent and skill yeah. that I... Uh, gets me all of these victories oh no he's holding up the ramaswamy mike equals corrupt now wouldn't that mean i win (laughs) sometimes mike i know that this just seems like something i wrote on a piece of paper real quick during this debate but no it's held up randomly yeah uh, but no it's a fact it's been reported by science if uh, what my favorite thing about um the thing that vivek ramaswamy did three weeks ago now um was he held up a blank piece of paper so that anybody could photoshop him holding up anything (laughs) at all so that he could write nikki equals corrupt on it um he is he has gotten to the point where every time he comments something in a debate it's like that one drill tweet where he's like i've removed my joker mask and underneath there's the mask from v for vendetta everyone in the courtroom groans at my shit every single time this guy talks during a debate everybody else on stage is just like uh shut the fuck up we're so tired of hearing from you we just i like this was three weeks ago and hopefully he's not running anymore by the time this release i comes bet out, he's but, already out i bet he's already gone but god damn did i not think that they this group of people come come up with like a new type of annoying yeah yeah and uh also did you catch three weeks ago ryan but like uh in like 30 seconds he said like eight racist things, eight <laughs> conspiracy theories. He just like he like did the speed run of getting co- totally Q pilled right out there on stage. Can you very slowly with clean audio, nobody else talk, uh, repeat what he said, Greg? Uh, no, I don't think I should. Okay. You're too. Damn you're it. way. You're way too intense. But he did. He did the capper, Mike. I will say. Um, and please don't clip this. Is he went? He basically said uh, the Great Replacement theory is true, and we all know it. Wow! You've been clipped. New what? drop for next season. <laughs> I like how Mike, when you talk, uh, when he wants clips, he holds up a tape recorder, even though you're speaking into a microphone on a podcast. You can tell he's gonna clip you when he starts putting his finger up to like the mic, the the, the <laughs> headphone thing. That means I am listening very closely. And a white van just drove away real quick from outside the studio. I don't know what that's about. Peels off. Speaking. Well, Mike. So you can't delete my tape. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the white van took it. Taking his tape away in, in, in the white van. Speaking of America, which I think mm. on one level we always are on this show, we have made it to the last movie of the 1973 season, and it is American Graffiti. Before we absolutely dive in, before we jump into our car, slam the door, and peel 
deep into this movie. Uh, what is our what are our respective histories? Because I feel like there's a chance that maybe we have a little bit more of a history with this movie than we do with others. Let's start with you, Mike. What's your history with American Graffiti? Uh, I I was a long time once I like started watching movies on my own that weren't like Land Before Time. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I became entranced by the takes place in one night oh, coming okay. of age I stories. Like uh, saw Days and Confused too young, can't hardly wait too young. And then in high school, I was like, wait, there's an original one I haven't seen by the Star Wars guy, uh, and I bought it. <laughs> I think I watched it like three times in two weeks and then never watched it again. Okay. Uh, but I remembered loving it then. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Sort of a pregnant pause there. Wow. A lot to unpack there. Ryan, how about you? What is your history with American graffiti? Uh, my history, Greg. Thank you for asking me. Um, and funny you should say that H word, history, because most of my history involves my history class from high school. My history teacher, I'm going to stop saying that word, had a poster from this movie. Okay. Where were you in 62? Okay. Not the most exciting speaker. I fucking stared at this poster for hours. Yeah. Where was I in 62? I had had an English class um, that had a couple posters on the wall, and one poster said, God is in the details. And another poster said, don't sweat the small stuff. And most of it's small stuff. (laughs) And the... The juxtaposition of those completely yeah. antithetical notions. Who both cares existing, about God? Yeah. <laughs> both existed, existing on posters gave me a lot to ponder. But you never had to think about where you were in 62? No, I never I never have had to to think of that one uh, time in my life. It, it also, it's like, I think Vort Drucker, one of those mad magazine posters. So um, there are thousands. It's just like, let's draw everything we can onto okay, this poster. Right. So there's a lot to look at. Uh, I think every season... Uh, one or two times a season, there'll be this movie where you put it on and you're like, I- I've seen this before. but And then you realize, no, I've this movie memorized. Yeah. like ev- s- Frame by frame. I don't know if it's TBS or TNT. And I think a lot of it, too, might be at the time I grew up and the people who I learned about film from, uh, fucking boomers, just, <laughs> you know, like... Oh, because- is this... Do boomers like this movie? Is this a boomer catnip? The year that it came out and the year that it's about just exploded on them which then exploded onto me uh so i know this movie backwards and forwards i've been hearing about it talking about it listening to people talk about it my entire life well tonight we are going to be covering what cars mean to this movie uh, we are going to be asking ourselves is this just another teen movie and we're going to be taking a close look at the music and we're going to have enough time to still recast the podcast and draft ourselves some cool cars for a drag race. And we're going to do that all when we come back on the other side of this break. Cars. They mean so much to us here in America. Americans love cars so much that some have even taken to living in them. There are many images that scream America. Frat boys chanting, drunk chanting, USA. A gun being fired into the air after a sporting event win or loss or simply a small child without health care coverage. But perhaps nothing bellows America quite like the automobile. In a way, it's a shame that cars have nearly completely whoopsied the environment, but in another way, it's kind of beautiful. Once our mothers and nurturers, they have now transformed into our destruction. American Graffiti embraces the awesome power and unparalleled majesty of the automobile. It's not simply something that takes us from one place to another. It is a place, an interior, the sight of our hopes and our dreams, and the sodas we spill right in our dumb laps. 
By a guy whose only claim to fame is the entire Star Wars universe and thus half my personality, American Graffiti explores a time when things were a little bit simpler. But the world she was a change in. Folks are graduating, and new opportunities pull young characters thither and yon. But if you look closely, and I hope after tonight's episode you will, you'll see there's one very special, perhaps unnoticed character in this movie. That's right, America herself. And I guess graffiti, although I don't actually remember there being any graffiti in this movie, let alone enough graffiti to necessitate being half the title. Anywho, instead of Watergate or Vietnam, we've spent the entire season sneakily talking about cars. Yay! Only to end this season with the carsiest movie since Cars 2. Fuck you, Cars 3. Part of the reason Lucas became a filmmaker is because a car crash, not unlike the one at the end of this movie, made him give up his life behind the wheel to live a life behind the camera. Is this just his love letter to cars? Uh, to the cars of that time? Or is it something more? And after seeing all these cherry rides, does it need to be something more? No, uh, the car porn was beautiful. <laughs> and man, do yes, modern yes, cars yes. suck ass. <laughs> you ugly little mostly. And it's worse and worse in the world, but it's just silver, black, and white these days. There's Even the fun colors are dying. Uh, fuck modern cars. Fun colors like plaid. Plaid, I would love it. I miss the plaid paint. The or, just paint and it plaids it all out. No, back in the day, especially the 60s and 70s, cars would have like plaid interiors. Yeah. So they might have like a green exterior and a plaid interior. Or like a wood panel on the bottom half oh, of the man. car. So yeah. it looks like a kitchen yeah, from get, the outside. Get a, little bit of that, get a little bit of that wood there. Is this just backsplash. But is this just a guy saying like, hey, look how cool cars used to be? Or is there something else going on with the car-centricness of this movie? I think it's definitely interrogating the freedom cars offered teenagers at that time. I think it matters less because teenagers just want to TikTok and be at home and not have friends. So but true. Wow, Mike, I did not know you had one of those walkers with tennis balls on the bottom, and you're waving it around right now. <laughs> but I'm buff, so it's just above my head. <laughs> wow, look at him. He's pumping that up. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's the, the freedom cars represent. And what, what I think is so smart about this movie is the how that freedom can be a lie. It's yeah. while these kids are running all around the great town of Modesto, California, uh, and adults don't care is because they're all kind of still just trapped in Modesto, California. Yeah, the, the town of Modesto reminds me a lot of the equally fictional, because I've seen Modesto on a map. It doesn't fucking exist. No. People outside of California just know that it's as fictional as the town Pleasantville, where if you um, go too far down um, one road, the main road on Pleasantville, you will, like in the game Pac-Man, yes. just return uh -huh. on the other side of the road. Right. And I get that sense in Modesto. All these kids have fucking cars. They can drive anywhere, but they you can't. You can go yeah. to Fresno, <laughs> Bakersfield, <laughs> Dublin, California. You have the beauty of the entire Inland Empire at your disposal. <laughs> Come but on. It's a, San Bernardino if you're feeling froggy. Right. I think you're back, nasty. Back then they call it San Berdu, just so you know. Uh, San Bernardino. There's no inkling that that even is like a consideration that they would no. take their cars and leave, even for just a weekend, much less right. for fucking ever. Yeah. I mean, the the cars, I said this in, in, in the intro, the cars seem less a mode of conveyance in this than an actual like location itself. Mm -hmm. It seems like all they are dedicated to doing is like being in the car, like the I don't think it's a uh, a coincidence that the sort of the central location in this is Mel's, which is right. a drive-in diner, and so you just sit in your car, order your food, get the food, 
delivered to your car and you never have to leave it even for a second. Getting the food delivered to you by waitresses With wearing little cars two on little cars, the two smallest cars you can wear. Ryan. You son uh, of a bitch. When you asked us our history, I was remiss, Greg, and we hate to be remiss. Uh, oh my God. Remiss I used alert. to hang out at Mel's Diner a lot when I lived in the Bay Area. There's a bunch of them. It's a small chain up there. And I was like, hell yeah. None of them are drive-ins, which is upsetting. Yeah, I saw they knocked down the original one, and they were like, fuck. Uh, should we build, like, six more? Psych, here's some more. Here's some more, Mel's. I think there's the there's more obvious stuff, too. Like, the sort of... This is the thing that bikers always talk about when... Because biker... Like, not bikers, but, like, bicyclists. Oh, uh, like Peloton. Cyclists. But... Yeah, cyclists. Um, is that... They hate drivers because drivers have exoskeletons and act like it. Right. You know, like yeah. drivers are not careful of uh, cyclists right. because they don't have to be. They are wearing armor. And these kids. I'm in a cyber truck. I'm going to cut you in half. Yeah. And <laughs> why? Like, if I am turning le- uh, right and I go into the right lane, even though there's a bike there, what are you going to do? Run into my car and I will yeah. barely notice? Go fuck yourself. Sometimes they hit the side. It's... They're like, hey, watch out. You nearly killed me there. Like, I don't care. Especially man. cars back then, which were made of metal. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. Sheet plastic. This is before they realized, like, it would be better for everybody if the cars just kind of crunched a little bit yeah. instead of just going through whatever they impacted. Um, and so you can see that sort of toughness being added. To, like, cars will add toughness to everybody. Um, and that's what people fight over if cars get damaged. You know, the mm-hmm. pharaohs are, you know, about to attack Richard Drive Kurt um, because of the dent in the car. What's Even the best? Though- my What's theory the, is because they're like, this is our friend's car. I don't. Th- I think they made that up. They just decided here's a lonely yeah, guy we're fucking with him. Door. Guy. What's the best way to, um, you know, level literally and figuratively the cops is mm. to destroy their car. Like, and then obviously, um, Ryan, the the two hot rod racers, Harrison Ford and Paul Lamott play. Like, it's this. These are their their dicks, dicks. their exoskeletons, their everything. And yeah. unless we miss it, right? Harrison Ford is wearing a cowboy hat. And occasionally speaking in a southern-ish accent, like a mm-hmm. southern slash western accent that I think it's supposed to. So this is the modern, the the modern gun duel, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about the the idea that they like are driving around constantly? Did you at all feel like? watching it through the modern lens that like you're like oh this is kind of a sickness and it's kind of upsetting to watch people just like burn fuel for two could somebody hours. mention our ozone <laughs> no uh me it made me miss high school and doing this yeah just this cruising. is when it, gas was still like 89 cents a gallon and it's you just fucking if you're my friends play like sepultura as loud as fucking possible yes. so nobody can talk even though we're yes. in the car for four hours together 89 cents uh, mike just drive around 89, it's been 89 cents a gallon in our lifetimes this gas yeah. was probably like oh the oh, gas is like 10 cents here you're yeah. saying when oh, you were yeah. a kid when they yeah, were yeah. kids when yeah, i was it, kids it was like negative four dollars a gallon they back pay then. you they <laughs> yeah, pay they, you to drive you gotta get this gas out of here our tanks and are chock full at one point toad says hey can i borrow a dollar so you could get a full bottle of alcohol guys yeah. i want to go back to this <laughs> time then, he said, all I have is a 50 and I can't break right. it. So that'd be like, hey, all I have is a $1,000 bill. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys lend me $100? <laughs> I, I just have this gold bar. Um, and then also they are very much like, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen. Uh, oh, we but will. I feel like in this movie, all of the cars are like these hot rods that are heavily modifiable. And mm. so while modern car culture might, be like i am purchasing individuality i feel like the car culture at this time is maybe a little more pure because like harrison ford's car that's souped up 
that's not just right. a Chevy 150. That's like he like that is a modifiable car, and so he's done that. Or the it's uh, got Nas. It's got uh, you can like shoot out a grappling hook. All yeah, of the fast yeah, X yeah. has a All, flux capacitor. It goes to space at that one part. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, that's yeah, Milner. I, that's why he's the best driver in town, and always will be, uh, because he is a mechanic. He has skills that everybody yeah. else needs. Even the other people in the town who seem to kind of hate him are like, "Hey, can you uh, fix up my car?" And what he's if, just like, sure. <laughs> what if you didn't give a fuck? Like, let's say you're the kind of person who like just doesn't give a shit. Okay. Do you? You sound st- cool as hell. Do you, Kurt. St- <laughs> do you still drive a jalopy around, or do you just not get a car at all? That's Kurt's. Uh, Richard Dreyfus. Kurt's car is a Citroen. Uh, the a jalopy, right? Yeah. Like, it's Man. not good. It's not a good car. Again, there, there's like. In movies, there is a language of cars, and his car is so perfectly picked because it is a foreign car. It's a French car, a Citroen, yeah. and that Citroen is like the people's car. It's made for farmers. They, they, uh, when Citroen made it, they said that they wanted the suspension to be uh, like loose enough that way you could drive across a field. And it's got the little like um, it's got the little rag top that you can pull down. It's kind of like supposed to be. Everything for everybody. And so it's like at once kind of exotic. But Just then like also, this movie. But then also for like the salt of the earth, which I kind of feel like there's that. And he's got like that flannel shirt on. And, you know, that is sort of his character is just like he's not extreme in any way. Yeah. You know, he's right. just like the affable. Everybody loves guy is if you combine the word driver and right. doofus. Is that Dreyfus? What? Yeah. what? Is that how he got his what? character name? Oh, my God. I'm OK losing. <laughs> What is going on Brooker, here? Brooker, mine's right open. Is it, is, isn't it kind of funny that his son turned out to be like one of the premier online oh, doofuses? And, <laughs> and he's a piece of shit as well. Like, yeah, Who's yeah. his son? His last name's Dreyfus. I'll tell you that. Fucking oh, much. shit. Ben Dreyfus. And it's he's not Ew. the worst person online. but I like, mean, there's other directors who have much worse sons. Yes, if exactly. You, if exactly. you want to pull up a Landis or two. You know what it is? <laughs> he would never win Best Villain. In our soon-to-come Moody's, but he could probably take biggest shithead. That's the best way I can describe him to you, Mike. Is is that? That's no, who thank he you is. for giving me my three a.m. I woke up and have to poo deep dive tonight. <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna say head at the end of that. <laughs> I, he could win biggest. He could take biggest shit. That's take biggest shit. Um, the 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 last thing of uh, vis-a-vis cars I want to to talk about is um, uh. Stick with me here, folks. Last thing I was talking about vis-a-vis cars is real quick too, because we haven't talked about Toad that much. Is the transfer of Richie Cunningham from Happy yes. Days car yeah, to it. go from moped right. to to get the Ginger Mobile uh, right. and just sort of like have the dick for the night? Yeah, and I mean, like he does, he almost gets laid. Almost, I think I thought he did. The, I think you can no, they read fuck between in that the car, lines. Don't they? I think they well, I think they fuck in the field because he has a car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they uh, get down. I just I didn't think anybody down. would ever fuck Toad. Even though he acts, no, I'm not, I'm not even to like body shame and say it looks like he does. Even though he acts the way he does this whole movie, he still gets laid. And uh, it's a, it's amazing because that that act or the character is like, man, every time you try to act like cool, I don't like you. Yeah, like Toad. It yeah. takes him a while to learn that lesson. Yeah, it, well, he should get a different haircut. What is that? The a side mullet. What is and everything that? else is slicked back. It was okay. horrific. Who did this to him? It's. You are tempted to think, well, this is like an actor or a character that wants to have long hair, but at the time you're not allowed to do that. His hair is only long at the sides. If this guy didn't have gel in his hair, he would have like the berries and cream boy <laughs> haircut. You know, like that little like Lord Fauntleroy, like just down to the ears on the side. I don't know if we're going to get to the ending, right. but um, his 
quick ending was that he was MIA Vietnam. That's friendly yeah. fire, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he got taken out by his own soldiers. Uh, the, we, do, we do briefly have to, to talk about the ending since you brought it up. Um, the It's Perfect. like you're, wa- you're watching the end of the movie, and then suddenly he's like, by the way, this guy died. This guy is missing in combat. And then the last guy, it's... <laughs> He just is selling insurance in Modesto. Yeah. And the way it hits the, the is the, like most, the most grim thing <laughs> of all time. Like, oh, shit. No way. He's in Modesto yeah. selling insurance. That's fucking awful. Milner, who t- keeps telling everybody, like, he's jealous and angry that his friends are leaving, even though most of them don't. Uh, the car guy, he gets hit by the drunk driver. Uh, he's too good for this world. Yes. Uh, Richie Cunningham is Modesto. When bottles, when bottles of liquor are a dollar, there's going to be some drunk driver. There's gonna be- yeah, that's facts. And there's no seatbelts, right? Also, that was the t- that was from the time when if a cop pulled you over and you were driving drunk, he would be like, "You have to drive straight straight home, home for you, Pally <laughs> boy." Doesn't that come from Mad Men? You d- okay, but you have to go straight home from here. Like you're too drunk to be on the road. Just go home. Stop cruising. Go home. And then uh, Richard Dreyfus is a writer in Canada. He's the one who made oh, it. Oh yeah. Out. Okay. So yeah. But but also, I felt like very heavily the implication was like, and that's who told us our story was this guy who made it. Mm. To Canada. Yeah. Also clearly a draft dodger but here's my theory oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> here's my uh, dreyfus theory that i texted you guys and Ryan. earlier today but did not tell you what the theory was no because nobody asked to know i was not keeping it from you just baiting i just wanted somebody to be interested i thought one of you were gonna tell us on air where it mattered oh but yeah like now everybody knows that we text we just like too. riffed on the idea that you had a theory <laughs> for 20 minutes oh man theory guy over here wow what's your theory theory guy but no we did not say what's your theory so ryan allow me to ask you now as the host of the show and as your personal friend went to canada Grew up with he and his three friends. They grew up together. He's into writing books about four friends. Went to Canada, wrote a book about four kids who found a body. Standing by me. So he is right. grew up to become Stephen King. Stephen King. Well, he's the actor in Stand by Me who but writes the, the book. And his oh, name shit. on IMDb is the writer. Does not say what the. So that proves the theory. Hmm. That proves it. The, the-, the thing that proves the rule. Love to have a theory. Other thing that I have proof of? Mike, Mike equals corrupt. I am equals not corrupt. corrupt. Okay, we're not a video podcast yet. you got to stop <laughs> doing that. <laughs> That's why I'm, use- I'm doing the, the in-time alt text. <laughs> Ryan holds up a dry erase board with Mike equals corrupt hastily scribbled on it. Uh, the cars of this movie are extremely different than the cars that we have now. I think for the most part we would choose the cars we have now. Are there any elements of these vehicles that you looked at and you thought... That is so nice. I wish we still had that now. Uh, seats used to be more comfortable. Hell yeah. I okay, think. that that is the answer that I was both looking They're for. couches. Yeah. Uh, it used to be that you had a couch in the front seat. And growing up, uh, when I was in high school, my buddy had a truck with a bench seat in the front. And when he drove around, his girlfriend sat right next to him and he put his arm around her. I know they're very unsafe. But despite that, we have to go back to bench seats in the front of cars. The way you could just cuddle with somebody while driving, ah, beautiful. The other thing that I didn't really pick up on until this recent rewatch is how fuck. And this could have been because this is what it was like in 1962. This could have been because this is a movie. But every car looks like at at all times just came out of the nicest car wash that has ever been. And. I think right. I find it very interesting that basically George Lucas made this movie about humans, okay, and all of their just like how complicated they are and their relationships, and just we t- we find out so much p- about these young people in this one night in these incredibly shiny cars, and what he does next, where he goes on from here, 
is he makes Star Wars. And one of the major things about Star Wars, okay, is that for the almost the first time in science fiction history, although I know it's space opera or whatever, people don't like Don't get me started, Ryan. Is that instead of sleek spaceships, we have dirty, banged up spaceships. Mm -hmm. And so instead of having the people inside the cars be dirty and complicated, I, he's clearly saying I'm more interested in the spaceships, in the vehicles at this point. That's what I'm going to dirty up. That's what I'm going to. That's what I'm better at filming. I no longer care about who is driving anymore. And I think throughout at least the first trilogy, episodes four, five, and six, he shows where he shines as a director. Even mm-hmm. throughout the first, the all six of the movies that he, you know, he didn't direct. Creative force behind five and six. Yeah, yeah. but the creative force behind, um, you know, where we see. Uh, land speeders and the pod race and yeah. all of this stuff and even like slow slower vehicles he cares about the vehicles even that's what is complicates that's what is complicated now yeah uh, that's an awesome observation I love it I, I, part of what I think he misses that I also miss when I look at cars like this is at some point somebody realized if you want these things to go fast they have to be aerodynamic and we learned mm-hmm. what aerodynamics were um, and the shame of that is, in the '60s when they were making cars, they were just putting big design elements on. It. Yeah, like even if they like created, Homer Simpson was designing. Yeah, them. like huge, <laughs> like lights that come to sharp points at the end, big fins, um, metallic elements that have no function on the car but like are on the door and everything. And I think honestly, um, when we started to just adopt more of a function and less of a form approach to cars, we lost a little something. These are art pieces. They're not the fastest right. things, especially. Like even the fast cars in this movie are not as fast as like a just like a family sedan nowadays. For the most part, people aren't racing. Milner's racing, and people come to town to race him as if they're gunswingers. But yeah, you're going very slow. It's a status symbol, which is why all the cars look so nice, and they they're modding it. So it's like ooh, and girls will be like, "I don't know you. Let's fuck in the field because your car because you got the right car." Um, And so I, I I I miss. You know, or, or I think he misses that aesthetic, and I feel that longing when I mm-hmm. watch this movie. And I think maybe that's why they're kind of like showpieces in this more than anything else. Is that he loves the vehicles, right? Just like you were saying, and so and he loves the crews. When we come back, you know what? Let's jump in some cars ourselves. And let's find if we have a cool place to go. We're gonna do a new segment here. It's called Drag Draft, and I think honestly that makes it sound cooler than what it really is, which has nothing to do with drag queens but instead all to do with cars we're each going to pick one car from any of the movies from this season one person to be our passenger or i think i guess it could be it could be you could get creative with that doesn't necessarily have to be a person and then one location to go to so what are you driving who's driving with you and where are you going we can eat we can only pick uh one car person or location from each movie so once those are selected, they will be out of contention. There are 16 movies. You remember what they are. I, I could list them easily and efficiently, but I will not because you remember what they are. I'm going to go first. Um, what type of car do I want? And I will tell you what I'm going to go for is I'm going to go for the 1958 Chevy Impala. Um, this is the white car that, t- that Toad slash Tiger uh, is basically given in the very beginning of the movie and gets him a girlfriend right away. And part of why I selected this car is it is fast 
And it was a heavily modifiable, but it had a lot of cruising potential. And speed isn't everything. I mean, I want to be able to modify my car and get going really fast. Uh, it also has the design elements of like the really pointy like spaceship lights, mm-hmm. really big, um, uh, like um, very uh, sort of like almost over the top fins on the back of it. The the roof is very swoopy and aerodynamic and nice. And I just think it checks off all the boxes that you want for your car. I mean, worst car in the movie, terrible pick. But what they fail to mention in the movie is those fins. Oh, it's because it's Modesto. It's not yeah. like a beach or by a lake. But you could go underwater. Why aren't they? <laughs> it's a submersible. <laughs> it is fully submersible. Was this the year of the Roger Moore Bond with that famous underwater car? Does his car go? I don't think this is the one with the, with the car that goes underwater. I can't remember what tricks his car does in the 1973 Bond movie that I watched. That was so bad. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. But yeah, Greg, sorry to talk shit, but I thought for Sheezy, and I'm not a car guy. You're not a car guy. Um, that Harrison Ford's was the number one. The Chevy 150? I, it depends on what you're looking for mm. in your car. I, the- I very much, as a younger man, I definitely would have been... Give me the fastest possible car I see. that you can. The car we know will start cause fire. Yeah, so the car fast. No, rolls, thank you. Rolls over and bursts into flames right away. But yeah, that I think that is the the hottest of the hot rods in this. Um, you know what's a little too fast in this car is Ron Howard in that back seat. Yeah, Settle hey, down, hang on, hang on. But I think we should see other people. Also, we should bang. <laughs> I have two ideas for what we should do here. So he, I have. You got the order wrong, right? That's. <laughs> Is, is his nickname Opie? Because he's acting overpowered right now. Ryan. You Holy know, shit. You never know. I really You never know which way things like that are going to go. But uh, sometimes you're just like, man, it takes a lot of chutzpah <laughs> to risk giving his opponent a point just to make a joke so poor as that. <laughs> I'm trying to fiercely come up with a Winthrop from the Music Man, Ron <laughs> Howard fucking, and I got nothing. He's such a little. He's such a little boy in the music man. Oh, oh well, the wealth Fargo <laughs> wagon is. Uh... <laughs> he's all this, but you know what? Mike, Mike were you eating an apple again? Is there apple stuck between your teeth? There is. <laughs> Lo- I love the music man. Absolutely a fever dream of a movie. <laughs> you can feel your sanity slipping away, and then the end of that movie, you just feel it completely go away, and you uh, no longer have to worry about the 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 rational world. I have never seen the music man. In, in any iteration, which makes the monorail episodes that much fucking crazier. <laughs> you watch the... This is how you watch That's the music wild. man the first time. You're like, what the fuck is this? No, what the fuck is... I'm sorry, they wa- how many trombones? Why is this happening? This is... Uh, why did they make the movie this way? <laughs> Wait, did they intend to make the movie this way? Oh, they know the movie's like this. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's getting Surely so there's... weird. Oh, this is kind of fun, actually. Oh, I like this. Isn't that our boy from Victor Victoria? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Robert yeah. Preston, right? Yeah, he's and playing. He's playing very straight, very masculine. Very, oh yeah, he, you can really yeah. tell. The he manly the poon. Music, man. He's just, yeah, he's <laughs> a poon hound. From, <laughs> and from way there's back. no way Buddy Hack is gonna give me dating advice for no reason in the middle of this movie, right? <laughs> and oh, that's no, Scuttle from The Little Mermaid. Yes, tying <laughs> yes. all of our childhood <laughs> all of our interests together. Well, I got a car. I just need a passenger and a place to go. But, um, Mike, you are allowed to choose any of the three categories to draft you. You only get one car, only one passenger. You can only go to one place, but you can do any that you want to. It doesn't have to be. Got it. I thought this was the car. I'm going to take the car anyway. Uh, Do you, man? I'm not a carman, but uh, I'm a Mike. But I love (laughs) uh, this 
Mike. vibe of car, and I think it's because I grew up on Batman the Animated Series, but the 1935 Pierce Aero Model 845 Club Sedan from the Sting. It's the black car that's like a round hooded thing with the wheels. Looks like the a spare bug. tires are up in the front. It looks like a bug. It looks so. This is what all cars should look like. It's so fucking cool. Very uh, nice. You like is uh, somebody gonna offer me grape Rapon? Is a Tommy gun gonna find, pop out of this window? Who knows what surprise? Yeah, but a Tommy gun. Very classy. Probably gets like four miles to the gallon. I'm just cruising around Pleasantville, baby. I don't need more than that. Another cruiser. Yeah, this is this is once again not not selecting the hot rods. Orion, that's leaving open for you, perhaps. Some hot rodding action. Sure. Should you do that? Should you choose to go that way? Hot rod is a character in one of these movies, I'm assuming, is what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Hot yeah. Roderick. Hot 1973's Andy Samberg's Hot Rod. <laughs> hot Rod, one of the most important Transformers. Now, um, just to talk draft strategy to some people that at home that may not have a lot of it, um, you guys have both taken cars. Yeah. You can't take any more cars. You'd be an absolute silly Billy to pick a car right here. I could wait on cars, but here's the thing. Each movie can only be picked once. Oh, that's true. So, so the sting is gone. The sting is no longer there. Touch your nose, touch your nose, touch your nose. <laughs> that being said, I think that me and Coffee will be shit, shit, shit. driving up and down the town. Now, sure, eventually she will steal my car, but I will yell out a pleasant... Oh, wait. Hey, come back. Wait, Thank you. Know. That has to be the most human moment in any of the movies <laughs> from 1973. You expect he's going to come out and say something really vile because there's just you've just kind of had that moment where people have said something very vile in the movie. But he's just like, oh, please come back, Pam Greer. No. Also, I guess I missed my vehicle. Also, I said the wrong name, but the director didn't cut. So Pam Greer <laughs> is just sticking in the movie. All right. That's a good get. Coffee from the the movie Coffee. She can help you in the commissioning of a crime. If you get injured, she could nurse you. Uh, she she might, has a cop friend. Yeah, she might. You know, if you wanted to do heroin, she'd probably be like not super against it because she herself has shot up once or twice. It's just not for her. It was the time. It was the times. Everybody was shooting up a little dope here or there. And then I am gonna take my vehicle. Okay. Um, you guys are uh, hot rodders, I guess. You go vroom vroom vroom. Uh, you're like, let's put the pedal to the metal, boys. I feel like we're both cruise country, though. I thought yeah. we, were, we were both Tom Cruise and around. We both, we both said that a lot. Thanks for listening when anybody else talks ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking at, like, I just basically watch your guys' mouths to see when they stop. <laughs> um, I am going to, I'm a different kind of cruiser, let's say. Right. So, uh, Coffee and I will be uh, just the first two of many. You're really rubbing that in. Entrance yeah. into rude. the large party bus from The Harder They Come. That is what is going to be bumping up and down the main drag of Modesto. The, the, from the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie where they like get stuck on the bridge and someone yells from the back, don't let them pass. <laughs> Whatever you do. You're calling that a party bus? Yes. Okay. I kind of party bus like that one guy was passing out mangoes to everybody. Uh, not... There's not going to be 200 people on it. It's right now. It's me and coffee. So yes, Mike, I'm calling it the party bus. <laughs> Once you got coffee, you, you never go. You got the shit with Hoffy. A party bus, Jimmy Hoffy, man. <laughs> All right, Mike, it is back to you. Are you going to go passenger here or location? I'm going to stick with location, location, location. So important. And. You know, there, there's a few I would like, but right now this seems the the best for the cruising of cars. It's Malibu. Malibu from The Long Goodbye. 
Okay. Wow, Malibu's great cruising country. I love that. You get the hills, you get the ocean. It's the best of everything. Malibu is such an amazing place. It's got, like, bigger houses than you've ever seen in your life. These rolling hills that you can drive around in all day. Um, Houses that are about to fall right into the water. Houses that are about to fall. Listen, for whatever reason, I guess rich people need to feel something. So they always want to, like, have their houses by, like, forests that are going to burn down or cliffs that are going to fall into the ocean or, like, a weird mountain tarn that's going to swallow up half the house because it can't find a way to be one one thing. Or a submarine controlled by a PS2 controller. Oh, man. (laughs) Dude. Ryan. Stupid. Uh, I'm so glad we're not rich. Those people, yeah. There is a certain amount of money where you just absolutely lose all touch with reality, and then mm, these someone, engineers are telling me it's a bad idea. Fuck them. Let's do it. How much? How much water pressure could there really be? The guy's got a PS2 controller. Also, Let's engineers. do it and be heroes. <laughs> Let's do it and be heroes. All right. So then it's to me, Malibu, and that was Malibu from the Long Goodbye, right? Obviously, correct. I guess you could choose a different Malibu. I'm just seeing. I'm just seeing what's out there. All right. So let's see. I let's see. You're gonna do location next, Mike. So I have to make sure I grab a passenger. And I kind of had the same idea as Ryan, but my passenger is going to be Margot Kidder from uh, Sisters. Now I know what you're thinking. Dangerous. She's pretty stabby, right? But when it comes to Greg. A beautiful lady with a knife or a sword. It doesn't... Maybe, maybe she's doing the right thing. Maybe she's doing the wrong thing. That's not for me to judge. Is she beautiful? (laughs) Has she got a blade? The rest is not my business, quite frankly. So, Margot Kidder, come on down. And it's kind of like I'm getting two passengers for one here. I hope that's not stepping on any toes here. But I'm getting both sides of of the coin. Yeah, but now you set up Mike for his fucking... Oh yeah, I was worried what Mike was going to choose next, but I got it coming back on, on, on the other on the flippy floppy. All right, so let's see. You guys are going to say, Greg, you've lost it. You've gone off the deep end for this one. You're a little bonkers. You're a little bit wild here. But I am going to cruise somewhere. I don't think anyone's ever cruised before. I love it. Do take it. my car. I'm going to take Margot Kidder. And we're going to cruise around Nottingham Forest. Yeah. The animated, <laughs> the animated, you stole it from Mike. The animated Nottingham Forest. Uh, maybe we're going to get rolled while we're driving through, right? You guys are going to look weird. We're going to look yeah. weird, yeah. <laughs> like when I'm like using my blinkers so I can get around the, the royal carriage. As Margot Kidder is reaching out of the car trying to stab cartoons. Uh-huh, and I'm like, oh, don't, <laughs> don't worry about her. <laughs> Do not tell Margot Kidder about dip. She will... Try to fling it on all of them. And don't tell her to fuck the cartoons. Then they'll look like normal people. (laughs) Is that Cool World? It's Cool World, baby. (laughs) And so I will be cruising around in my 1958 Chevy Impala, gently modified, um, with Margot Kidder as we cruise around Nottingham Forest looking at all the animated birds. I wish I was the kind of person who celebrated less when Mike couldn't pick a fictional cartoon character in a fictional draft. <laughs> but you feel pretty Yeah, because you knew I was going to go flip a coin and either do Little John as my buddy or Maid Marian. <laughs> that, uh, that, that was kind of my thinking. I am at an impasse now. All right, so Mike, the only, the only spot you have left is your passenger. And so, is the little person from the end of Don't Look Now still available for Mike? Uh, yes, that, that, <laughs> that, that, that little old lady from Pasadena. 
for a while, I was trying to figure out how to cruise around the rivers of Venice in a car, and I was like, this isn't going to work. I was thinking, what if for my first pick, I was like, water hearse? And then for my <laughs> second pick, I was like, the, the, the canals of Venice. But I was afraid that you would see what I was doing and then take the canals of Venice, so I'd have to make water hearse on the streets of Paris. <laughs> Uh, my, I, I want a good conversational partner. I want somebody who's suave. I want somebody who's awesome. I'm going to get Lee from Enter the Dragon. Yeah, good choice. Lee, played by Bruce Lee. The Bruce, only thing... Oh, Lee, yes. The only thing I think um, would make him kind of a bad passenger would be... This is a guy has got to move, like, almost constantly. And I think that, like, every time you stop at a stoplight, he would get out to, like, do 10 burpees. Or just yeah. while you're driving, just... just yeah, just be tapping his foot constantly. Well, I do that, so, and I'm sick of people yelling at me about it. So this yeah, car will just be tapped. This together. car's a rocket. It's because our feet can't stop moving. <laughs> this season, I feel like we've given the appropriate amount of deference to Bruce Lee. I, I feel like we, we, as a podcast, we can hold our head high that we have geeked yeah. out on Bruce Lee to the to the, to the proper. Amount. Well, and we still have recast the podcast to do later. So. Oh yeah, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee. <laughs> Come on down. All right, uh, Ryan, you only. You can only pick your location, but feel free to pick any location that's not from one of the many movies we've already selected. Well, Craig, um, I got it nailed right now. Um, so if you guys want to start um, pulling out your laurel and sure. hearty handshakes for me. <laughs> um, Ryan. Me, coffee, whole cast of American Graffiti, whole cast of uh, Paper Moon and Mean Streets. Everyone, some of the people from Last Tango in Paris. And some of the people from The Last Detail and The Exorcist, we're all piling in the party bus, and we're driving down to a saloon in Westworld to have a good old-fashioned Western <laughs> brawl. I, uh, I took a sabbatical to Google Hill. Uh, and, as you do. Uh, as, as you do. And I was, like, reflecting on what the movies were from this season. And I could come up with 15 of them right off the top of my head. <laughs> what was movie number 16? When I remembered, using only the power of my memory, that it was Westworld, I was like, wow, that feels forever False. ago. And that can't possibly, is that possibly what actually happened here? Michael Crichton directed Westworld? Westworld was the only 1973 movie that we saw on opening night. <laughs> Uh, so you are just you're going to Westworld. Yeah, and I feel like me and Coffee and some of those people are gonna get the shit kicked out of them, but me and Coffee are gonna do just fine. Yeah, you're 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 going to make it. Okay, so let's see. I have my Chevy Impala. I'm driving around uh, Nottingham Forest with Margot Kidder. Mike, you are in your 35 uh, pace pace arrow with uh, Bruce Lee, and you are where are you driving around again? To the boo. Yeah. The oh, boo. driving around Malibu. Yeah, that's not what that word looks like, Greg. Uh, and then Ryan, you have the party bus with coffee, and I feel like against nobody objected, but you kind of threw in some other people. <laughs> yeah, I that's think crazy. He does have a whole bus, though, right? But I don't like because he said these people. It's, he picked all the worst people, so it's the Pharaohs from American Graffiti, just Marlon Brando from Last Tango Paris. <laughs> They're disgusting. <laughs> and you are going to Westworld. You know what? I gotta give it to Mike. Mike. You understood the assignment. You were cruising around Malibu with probably the coolest guy to ever live. And obviously, in the the, the way the world this movie has constructed, uh, someone's going to look in your car, a lady, and she's going to be like, hey, could you please send Bruce Lee into my car? And then Bruce is going to say, no, thank you. I'm not into that. Do you just want this other guy also in the car? And according to how this movie works, 
they're just going to be like, yep, send him over. Anyone that's in that car can come over. Got to get my rocks off somehow. And I mean, they're going to sigh, like heavily sigh, yeah. like 17 times. Yeah. And then finally, all right. And I'll be like, I get the first 12, but come on, baby. I just want to make it clear that I did not mean Marlon Brando to <laughs> come on the bus. But sure. I would absolutely love to hang out with 75-year-old teenager head of the pharaohs. He is definitely <laughs> invited. Yeah, <laughs> The street gang of elderly men. It, it's nice to see who the scorpions from Greece were directly based on. <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, congratulations on uh, your cool cars, your wonderful passengers, and your great locations. When we come back, is this just another teen movie? Not. Not another teen movie. Like Groundhog Day, Die Hard, and Halloween, American Graffiti almost single-handedly created a subgenre. The teens are hanging out movie. Does graffiti remain the king of the castle for reasons other than it was essentially the first? Do we have to answer I w- this question? Yes, Ryan. I, that's how the podcast shit, works. It's man. I I have Pass. to ask that every time though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would be willing, Mike, if you would be to just say what we could crown days and confuse and then move on with American graffiti. Yeah, it's it's not the king. It is the first. Look, I love that Ramones existed. So the genre of music I love could also exist, but I don't ever feel the need to go back and really listen to the Ramones. And uh-huh. man, is American Graffiti the Ramones of this genre of movie. Okay, we have been we have been dancing around your obvious disdain for this movie. What? Not disdain. There's just so many other people have done it better. Other, other versions have remembered to be funny, uh, like your book smarts. Uh, uh-huh. or your super bads or your Jason Confused. Others have uh, remembered to make people more human and nuanced, like your Days and Confused, like your Can't Hardly Waits. Hey, everybody, uh, this is Ryan. I'm uh, chiming in real quick, uh, interrupting the podcast. Just let everybody know sure. that Mike is a huge Can't Hardly Wait fan. All right, back to the podcast. <laughs> It'd be weird if they listened this many years and didn't know that by now. There's a There's a direct moment that Can't Hardly Wait is clearly nodding to combining for the character of Kurt is Ethan Embry's uh, Preston Myers in Can't Hardly Wait. There's similar vibes, similar curly haired, uh, chasing a blonde or getting advice from the blonde angel. And it's all about the phone. The phone to the radio station is very important. Can't Hardly Wait for so many reasons clearly wouldn't exist without this movie, but all of that is connected. I mean, there's Um, a scene in Days and Confused of I'm going to buy these five things I don't need. And this one thing I do like that's (laughs) It's like almost word for word. Sorry, keep going, Mike. Uh, I don't. Now I just want to talk about Can't Hardly Wait. What was the question? <laughs> I here's why I think that if it's not like the number w- highest on my list of all time movies, uh, I still kind of think it's the goats. If those two things make sense, it's really hard because it's been so, it's all of this shit has been forced down our throats the, our entire lives. All of this fucking boomer nostalgia nonsense. Mm-hmm. And yet I feel bad hating it just because of that. That seems unfair. I think that this movie, although not rip-roaringly funny, I agree with that, Mike, is so, uh, like, warm and, like, it's just, it, it's, it's so honest. There's so much here um, that is, like, that comes out organically about these characters that it is unbelievable who wrote, co-wrote, and directed this yes. movie. And... and- the the there's the mo- there's moments in here that fucking shine and there's so few moments that do not. I personally felt like the all the Carol and um uh Milner? John. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the 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 guy in the hot rod. That was like 
amazing. Like, uh, yes. the the their on screen chemistry was so like palpable, and I thought they had several very funny moments. I looked up. Oh yeah, they they, they were the funniest. And if we were ranking. Uh, storylines, which maybe we should by the end, uh, they win. That takes it for sure. I looked up Paul Lamott and like controversy or bad stuff because for a movie to be such a launching pad for so many careers and have this guy, where'd this guy go? Be absolutely incredible in this movie. You know, Harrison yeah. Ford's in it for. I know that's a freak accident. What happened to Harrison Ford's career? But like so many people, and this guy's amazing. The other yes. thing, this is in Milner and Carol's storyline almost more than anybody else's, but. One of the things that this movie is famous for is that he left the camera rolling and caught so many yeah. natural things. Yeah. Which and, I'm usually such a butthead about, but I didn't hate in this. And he is. He's the fucking guy who says, no. He's the butthead. Fucking please act exactly like my script says. And Natalie Portman's like, uh, Mr. Lucas, are you sure Nobody you has ever spoken this? in this way before. This is not human dialogue. But that water balloon was not supposed to hit her face. That's what and I was And she really? cracked up. And these are the moments that make the movie. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so clear that she understands her character better than anybody else. In the, It's the annoying kid who's on the cusp of teenage dumb. Uh, and she like throughout the movie, she can't decide whether she has a crush on him or wants to just terrorize him all night. Yeah, yeah. uh, is endearing. They're almost instantly an old married couple. Yes, like you can just tell that they are like they are they are meant to be together. That getting hit in the face of the water balloon is funny because you can tell as a viewer something happened there. Like the that is not the character's reaction; that's the actress's reaction. The actress is so good natured about it, and you're like, "Oh wow, she like has such a sense of humor. She's not not uptight." And then they fucking destroy the car <laughs> yes. where the water balloon came from. I mean, the shaving cream on the on the windows, like that's that's a problem. Like we're gonna have to get out of the car, leaving it with no air in the tires. <laughs> yeah, like, that's hilarious. You ruined your ribs driving like to the to the place to get fresh air. Um, that this was not like a celebrated genre at the time, uh, and obviously kind of like launched the genre, right? Uh, what part of what I want to focus on with this question is this is 1962 and this is a movie with almost no adults at all. Mm. Is there a connection there with the adults that we do see are like associated with the high school and one of them seems to be dating a student or something. It's like, he's like the cool teacher. But I think when you were an adult and you're watching this guy, you're like, wow, this is drastically inappropriate and kind of upsetting to like watch this guy. Um, Yeah. I I thought that too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moving <laughs> directly past that um but like is there any we don't see their parents we don't see them no. leave the house in the beginning uh, of the day we don't see them consult adults when they run into issues um is there when, anything when about kurt's, that when kurt's parents show up to see him off under the airplane i'm like who the what the fuck why yeah. are you here why and it, it reminded <laughs> me of there's a little bit more um, in the Goonies, but it reminded me of the Goonies when all the parents are there at the end. It was like, who yeah. the fuck? And it feels why so aren't you doing awkward. a better job of, <laughs> of being and parents? But like, this is a, a more than a trope. It's like uh, a necessity. Like that's why Anthony LaPaglia feels so weird in Empire Records. Like y- mm-hmm. there should be no parents. It yeah. should feel like um, just a slightly more sophisticated. Um, what do you call it? Where the Lost Boys live? Like. Yeah, Neverland. Never, yeah, Neverland. There yeah. should be, you know, uh, sort of society on top of Neverland. That's how these movies work. You know what I did? And, and I realized recently that I often refer to Neverland as Never Neverland. 
but that's not what it's called. But it's so embarrassing every time. <laughs> I've been thinking about all the times I've said it. Yeah, we're embarrassed for you. <laughs> and th- that's I think that captures the the attitude teenagers have. Right. There are adults throughout this world. Oh, yeah. They just don't see them the, and or pay attention to them. Between the ages of seventeen and twenty four, I didn't think about my mother a single time. <laughs> like she never <laughs> entered my brain. Well, it's interesting. Like when you're a teen, you go over to your teen friend's house, but a lot of times you don't do it until their parents are like asleep. And so part of why teens stay up so late is they kind of inherit the world at that time. Mm-hmm. But I wondered, I think maybe why, I'm... Why, 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 <laughs> uh, That's later, Mike. Is there, is there any way to connect it to, like, 62 and what the country... Like, what is, why 62? I mean, I, it, watching this movie, I realized that when they say, make America great again, this is literally the night. Because yeah. this yeah. is the furthest you can go as far as technology is advanced and all of that stuff, but still not have all of the assassinations. Like, the Vietnam War is still kind of like a cozy, cool thing. Like, everything falls apart when right. these kids – not because these kids leave, but after right. these kids leave and the country is now – you're allowed to talk shit on it. You're allowed to burn cards. You're allowed to burn flags. You're allowed to burn bras. Just burning everything, I guess. This is when – People who aren't straight white males in ties speak up. And this mm. is the end of America being yeah. great. It's a movie showing where fucking little Ronnie Howard is the sex symbol throughout the movie. All the girls <laughs> want him. That's only in Mike. 1962. Wait, what's ugly about Ron Howard? Mike? No, I just don't think he's a dreamboat. Why do you Why say that? Why not, though, Mike? I, I, like my, I like my guys with thing. a big beard that turns white at the oh. bottom. Oh, okay. Oh, this uh, is making more sense to me. And more of a pompadour. Uh... Would you say I'm pompadorable? Yeah, I do think you're pompadorable. More pompadorkable. I'm pompadorable. Oh! That's later, Greg. Uh, right. What? I had a thing. <laughs> How did you <laughs> do it? it? Did we somehow interrupt that? Teenagers. 60, because 62 gives way to 63, at the end of which. Got it. Can't, okay, go. <laughs> what, what I appreciate so much about this movie and showing teenagers is Pleasantville is like, and nobody talked about this kind of stuff then. But that's not true. The shows didn't. Where this right. is the, the it's still, you know, a fantasy land, but is the darker underbelly of Happy Days, starring little Roddy Howard, uh, <laughs> where that is what Pleasantville's making fun of. And this right. is, there are these, so even some of our protagonists are dirtbags. All anybody wants is tail. Yeah, uh, hell it, yeah. It's really showing this. That was why the cars matter. You meet, go to Mel's, you talk to your friends, you split up so you can all bang it out, and then you meet back up at Mel's to tell y- your friends about it. And you can't and, fuck in a modern car, but in these cars, no. you could fuck all day, dude. Like, uh, there's a lot of room in there. You could fuck in the back seat while uh, another friend and their partner could fuck Man, in the front seat. How messed up is it the idea that like you're cruising around and then yeah. there's one person in the back and then the the girl gets in the back with him? No, you can't do that. And then yeah, they start you, making out she, right away. She kicked him out too late in that yeah. scene. The minute that happened, kick your friend out yeah. and him. Yeah, you're fucking out of here. But dude. she understands you can't deny the Dreyfus. Like no, she man. was hot yeah. and bothered. Um I, I think getting back to like the the one night teenager movie of it all i think that these movies seem very easy to write you list a bunch of adventures they go on mm-hmm. the adventures you wrap it up at the end and i think that there's a lot about this movie that proves even though it or because of it's the the first how it's the, it writes the template yeah yeah and how difficult it can be because of how easy it makes it look this all of the stuff just seems to happen one time after another right. it doesn't seem like there's a checklist at all because it, right. yeah like it creates the template it creates the checklist for others but also the 
the big moments are so small and organic, except with the exception of one, which we'll get to later. But the the guiding forces, it's not nothing. This isn't an episode of Seinfeld, which I think so many of these teen movies fall back on. Is no, we literally don't have to do anything. Right. But I just I, kind of had, wrap it up at the end by having them walk through each other's stories. Exactly. Yeah. Or walk away into the sunset. But I, the guiding force of uh, Ron Howard and Richard Dreyfus sort of switching spots throughout the course of the movie mm-hmm. as who's going to go and who's going to stay. And just the whole, I mean, like when you see four characters at the beginning of a movie, even though they separate for a lot of it, there's four characters in the beginning of the movie. We sort of know yeah. what we're aping, right? The Beatles. The Beatles. It's those. It's the Beatles. They're <laughs> from Liverpool. <laughs> those lovable lads. And so, yeah, they're going to go on their journey. I, I think that we even get a wizard uh, revealed at, towards the end of the movie, right? Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is the only one that meets him, but the big booming Wolfman voice, the wizard. the wizard of Oz, is revealed uh, at a certain point to not be everything that he's cracked up to be. But this is sort of the light sprinkling of journey right. not heavy-handed not non-existent that i think so many of these teen right. movies fuck up yeah they they it the movie knows its stakes not one person isn't like robbing a bank and having cops almost kill them exactly like, <laughs> and and then until they all, the very last screen they well yeah then they all die uh or worse than death and they all have pretty even though there's a lot of like they all want tail they all have independent desires they are chasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition. And in addition. And, and that it tells those unique stories because one is he has a long-term girlfriend, but he blows it up. So his story is making amends and figure out who wants. One is chasing a mythical dream ghost girl throughout the night. Yeah. Uh, and so each of them. Mike. Yeah, it's, it is very well done. That's the most unrealistic part. And I understand that the movie needed multiple plots, but if – the three of us and producer Dave, it was our last night, and we were, you know, in our hometown. We don't fucking leave each other's side. Like, we yeah. are yeah. in to lockstep. To go talk to a girl? <laughs> no. Never. I mean, we'll all hold hands, and the four of us will do that thing where we all tie our shoelaces together, so we have to right. move in a group, but that's because we're cool. I guess part of what I was thinking was, you know, uh, 1973, and we talked about this in the 75 season as well, but we, suddenly there's, like, this absence of authority. And I feel like this movie kind of traces that to, like, 1962 and this generation that is being given over the reins. And so the adults kind of fade into the background because these are the new – these are the adults of 1973. And we can trust them. We, as in the adults of before, are like everything is so safe and perfect as long as these upper-middle-class white children keep doing what we have set up for them and don't fuck anything up, then there's no reason to think we're not safe. Yeah. And then, Which is why, even though all of them do borderline illegal stuff, the only one who gets shit is the not upper middle class. Exactly, because I mean, Richard Dreyfus, if he got caught by that cop, they would have been like, "Why I ought I, I get out of here?" Kurt, here's some more thousands of dollars. He's get a out good of town. kid. He's a good kid. He's got a good head on his. Kurt, do you have a pen? I need to write you as a cop another check because look at you, Kurt. You're going places. When we come back, we're leaving the podcast, and so we've got to recast it. We, of course, would never truly quit the podcast because our wives say that we have to spend this time um, not around them so that they can um, hang out with their um, Pilates instructors. So, uh, but if we were to quit, I think we can all agree that we would like to replace the three of us 
with some of 1973's biggest stars. I think that organically that makes the most sense, yeah. right? Well, yes. Yeah. So uh, we will do this draft style. Um, two drafts in one show. Two drafts Wait, in I'm one sorry, show. Wait, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Is that legal? Only, only two drafts on this show? Yeah, we might find a way to do to do a third draft here. But Ryan, why don't we start with you? You can select any of 1973 superstars, and you can select any of the people, uh, any of the current cast members to replace. What are you going to do? Okay, wait, hold on. We're doing a draft. So we're going to come up with three different podcasts here? What are we going to do here? We're going to come up with three different ideas of who the people should be, and then I'm going to vote over who is correct. We're not really drafting, because like if two of us say the same one, that's okay. Okay, do you want to just do one person? Would you do one person at a time? Okay, let's start with Greg's. So, Ryan, who do you think should be the Greg? 1973, big year for handsome, muscle-bound studs. Yes. Uh, much better looking and studlier than whoever your wife's Pilates instructor is. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Hey, 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 hey. You have not seen Adam <laughs> or Kevin. <laughs> she has two. Greg. Two different Pilates. <laughs> Can you get this under control. She's really into, in order. She's really into Pilates, man. She comes back completely gassed. But who is the person uh, from a 1973 movie that came down and got his people in order? It's Jesus Christ, the superstar himself. That's who will be playing, taking Greg's spot in 1973. The J Man, huh? Jesu himself. This is specifically the Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar. Because did Last Temptation of Christ come out this year? No, that was 88. Way later than this, Greg. Way later. It's a different uh, year. So, Jesus Christ. So, that a, a singing, dancing Jesus. Yes. Uh, can you d- describe Greg better? Better than a singing, dancing Jesus? I'm not sure. Mike, can you describe me better than a singing, dancing Jesus? Look, I'm not here to blow smoke and say you're the next savior, uh, Greg. Uh, I'm going to just tell it like it is, straight from the hip. Uh, when I think of Greg, I think of a uh, like witty, tired, curly-haired, handsome, Grover-loving motherfucker. It's Elliot Gould from Gould. The Long Goodbye. Uh, Gould and Greg sound so much alike. Now... A lot of people would say this is first thought material, right, Ryan? I mean, the, the, would, you, would you say that this is kind of an, an obvious one? Almost everything that comes out of Mike is, yeah. He's corrupt. <laughs> I'm not sure those are, are related. <laughs> but I think if we if we pierce the veil, and we're talking specifically 73. If you yes. said to me, 75 Gould, the guy that, that was sense. in Nashville, get the fuck out of here. That's a completely different dude like who's so cool and awesome and untouchable. But this sort of like... Out of time, mumbly, rumpled, confused. Yeah, um, yeah, like, 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 basically, always out of step, smoking like a chimney, just constantly. Greg's ignoring titties. Yeah, Greg's very known for seeing a house full of naked girls, just not even caring at all. Oh yeah, that over there, fine by me. That's fine by me. (laughs) I do have to say, fine by me is like basically, if you had to like reduce my personality, yeah, to like one family crest. Yeah, I think fine by me probably would be it. So I love that answer, Gould. I'm gonna go. For our secondary curly superstar of the year, and I'm going to say the Sutherland, um, a sort of again, like being able to see, but having that vision sort of like uh, blind him even a little bit more. Um, but the the beautiful curly locks, the appreciating art, uh, the Your weird op- coitus. The weird coitus, yeah. The, sh- the shoulder biting. Yeah, the, the armpit forward coitus. You'll often <laughs> see things, but then you'll be like, what the fuck was that? So, yeah. yeah. 
exactly and then and then someone will be like don't look now and i'll be like you know what don't uh i would pr- i would probably chase somebody around the the streets of venice but i think i gotta go with mike i know i made fun of mike for and, mike. S- and said it was first thought but i just yeah real rude if 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 we're picking the greg from 73 it kind of feels like it's gonna be elliot gould i love the thing he does in this which is uh like also a big part of columbo and i feel like referenced in the the current show poker face which is uh i love his like i don't know what's going on i'm so confused Mm. hey wait didn't you say you were here and that actually disproves your alibi (laughs) yeah i love the poker natasha leo does so many of those colombo moments oh yeah one more thing i was just thinking (laughs) (laughs) um well mike you were uh, as good as gould on that one and in fact let's let's take a look at mike ryan shall we ugh Let's take let's take one solid minute of the podcast where we just look at Mike. Uh, but no, let's talk about who our Mike should be. Ryan, I'm going to go back to you on this one. When we think 73, who do we think of when we think of Mike? I sat on that damn hill behind the studio yeah, and time. our collected mansion thinking about who is Mike. Yeah. And 1973 was the year that a little thing called Baby Alive came out. And Baby Alive is where you put food into its mouth and it turns into mushy shit immediately. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a baby that shits. That yeah. e- eats and shits. Eats and shits. And when I think Mike, that's what he does. <laughs> Just He takes food and he turns it into mushy shit immediately. That part's extremely hard to argue with. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, the one. <laughs> that is so classic, Mike. To get energy, folks, check me on this one. To get energy, Mike will actually eat food, but as a byproduct of that, it comes out as poop. Mm-hmm. Out I'm of quirky. his quirky. It's quirky. Okay, baby alive for Mike. Mike, uh, agree or disagree that you are best embodied in a baby doll that eats and shits? I disagree. Disagree. Okay, so who do you got instead? Uh, the people around me who should be my compatriots don't like me. God damn it. God damn it. Uh, I am a unique dresser. God damn it. Uh, I have had weird conservative jobs in the past, even though what my personality doesn't vibe with that at all, and I hang out with reefer heads. Uh, it's Serpico. Mike. Mike, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but if, Ryan, if we had to pick one person we knew who probably got wrongfully accused of blowing another guy in the bathroom, isn't it 100% Mike? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not saying you wrongfully did it, Mike. Accused. I am saying specifically that you didn't do it, but that you le- you left the bathroom at least at one point in your life and someone was like, were you <laughs> blowing him in there? Man, the guy from Top Gun gets so angry about that. <laughs> Maybe I was, dude. Who cares? What business of it is yours? Who hurt you? Jealousy. Guy from Top Gun. Who hurt you? Did someone, when you were just a baby, did someone do a flyby when they weren't supposed to? Did somebody feed way? you and you turned it right into food? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like this. Well, I also had Serpico. It was the way he dresses. And it was the fact yeah. that, here's what Mike has that I, that the Serpico also has that I love. Uh, Mike loves women so much that it reads as being gay. <laughs> There's an, there is an amount as a man that you can love to fuck women that other guys are like, that's gay. That is gay. I'm sorry. Oh, and then going down on a girl? Oh, Oh, man. Which is my favorite thing. Um, Uh, You go down on the girl. You're probably a little light in the loafers. Uh, (laughs) Mike Mike picked Serpico, Greg, and then you picked Serpico. So does Baby Alive have a chance here? Baby Alive might have a chance here, but Mike. Gotta gotta go. Gotta go 
with Mike. When I was on Google Hill, just like you, Ryan, um, and I was I was thinking about the movies of this year, and Mike, you were a tough you were a tough cast. The second I thought of Serpico, I was like, this is just this is just too perfect. I mean, the fact that he was a cop and the fact that you were in the army, thank you for your service, that is nuts. That is bonkers. Who let that happen? <laughs> army did. All right. It's time to talk about Ryan. Ryan, starting with you, when you look at the boys or girls of 73, do you, where do you see yourself? Who do you see representing Ryan energy in 73? Oh, man. I mean, I look at me as um, someone who does their best, um, likable, lovable, loved by all. Um, We're on you. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, smart, funny, precocious, uh, but surrounded by like the person in charge, the director, and buffoon. That's Greg. And then uh, Mike, who's supposed to be my... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mike is waving in a way that lowered his IQ by probably 50 <laughs> points. Would make Buster Bluth blush. <laughs> uh, my, you know, supposed right. to be my mentor, but he treats me like shit um, on air and off air. I'm Tatum O'Neill from Paper Moon. Poor little Tatum O'Neill. Just a just a, a little baby. Did you did you break the news in the text feed that Ryan O'Neill has passed? I did. Yes, and the, the text feed to the two of you. I broke the. Yeah. I got that. Scoop. And that's how Deadline picked it up. Yeah. Like, we just read this text feed. Ryan O'Neill has been a, a, a fairly big part of the last few seasons of this show, and I think I speak for all of us when I say we are glad he's dead. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, as an artist, I respect this guy. As a person, I have never like learned like so little about a person and dislikes him so much as our, our time with, with Ryan O'Neill. He's a shithead. And if you've seen the size of that head, that's a lot of shit. That's a lot of shit. <laughs> that's a whole lot of shit. Mike, mm. when you think Ryan, what do you think besides, Oh, it's my little buddy. I, I think it's my little buddy who, uh, sits behind the power on, I guess you could call it a throne. Is this going to be Salacious Crumb from Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> whispers into the ear of the ruler and uh, leads them Man, astray. You have to keep it to 73. Uh, it's Sir Hiss from Robin Hood. <laughs> Hypnotizing? Hypnotizing, yeah. often getting shoved in baskets. There you go. Often getting shoved in baskets is one uh, that people say about me. snake in the grass. <laughs> I think you like made your point snake. there. Oh, did I? Should I hit more of those? All right. Well, that is character assassination. Soft but belly. It's, it's the first time, Mike, in this segment, you haven't preempted my answer by just one. Because for Ryan, I'm thinking of who is the baddest ginger in charge? Who <laughs> is the leader of the pack? Um, he's got places to go, but maybe he's going to stay with his stupid friends back home and sacrifice it all. That's right. Ryan is little Ronnie Howard. The, the prejudice Not first here. thought at all. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking <laughs> the ginger prejudice here is just staunch. Like You think I just saw that he has red hair and then thought, who do I know who has red hair? And as a first thought, picked no, Ron it, Howard. It's not that I think you, you saw my red hair. It's that that is all you see when you look at me. It's just red hair. Yeah. It's, see, I don't think that, Ryan. I think it's because uh, he saw little Ronnie Howard playing a cowardly, petty, <laughs> controlling piece of shit. 
Uh, and then was like, Ryan. <laughs> he nuked both of us in one segment. <laughs> we have never done anything like this to him. So disrespectful. All we do is respect him. I have to say, a lot of times, we go over the top with respect for each other in this segment. Mm-hmm. This was brutal. We've, <laughs> never, we've never been so rude to each other <laughs> as in this segment. So my choices here, I can see that either go with my choice, Ron Howard, who has red hair just like Ryan. Sir Hiss, a snake involved in a gay relationship. Or... Uh, Avowed uh, child abuser Tatum. Oh no, this abusee. Is, abusee. abusee. Yes. Tatum O'Neill. I feel like abusee. this segment has demonstrated <laughs> just how Tatum O'Neill I am. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you because this is the least loathsome of all of them, Ryan. Ryan. You are just a talented, precocious little girl being wronged by everybody around him. So that means you're 1973, and imagine. <laughs> Our podcast, we don't talk about it a lot, but we had one of the first podcasts of all time. If we had come out with our podcast in 1973, pressed directly to record, we would have really been the (laughs) first one in. Can you imagine the amount of cigarette smoke in that room? Just all of us with cigarettes in between every finger, pounding them into (laughs) ashtrays. This is what freedom feels like. Uh, I will be played by Elliot Gould. Mike, you will be played by the character Serpico. (laughs) And Ryan, you'll be played by actress Tatum O'Neill, who's still alive. She did it. She outlived. I would listen. I guarantee you, within three episodes, I will be hosting that shit. <laughs> I don't disagree. I think within three episodes, you may once again find yourself the host. When we come back, let's listen to some tunes. There's almost as much music in this movie as a actual singing musical. Is that a crutch? Is it overdone? Or is the music essential? And I remind you, this has been the worst season for music. And when we saw Mean Streets, we were just so glad to hear good music. But that was like the contemporary music of 73. What is this music doing? Is it helping us out? Yeah, I, I think it rules. I, I think it, it hits the atmosphere. If it was just cars with like old Italian music, that would suck. <laughs> or like old Italian singers in the back of every car. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, gondoliers <laughs> in the back of these hot rods. <laughs> just bella notte. Yeah, but I mean, that goes back to the Venice thing we were talking about before. We need more mm-hmm. Venice in this movie is what I'm saying. More Venice. The Venice Beach... You can drive five hours from Modesto and get there. You can't. I feel, you are stuck in Modesto. I feel like uh, back in 62, that's when they started trying to make a car that could also be a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And I, I could just see someone trying that, just driving around, cruising around the canals of Venice. There is some stuff that is unintentional, I think, here. It's so hard to tell with all directors, but George Lucas more than anybody else. Yeah, don't um, we, isn't it hard knowing everything we know about him to not feel like sometimes he blunders into the right choice? I, yeah, I think it's so obvious if you just see even like a still photo. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, but um, I think that Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood tried to do the same thing. Of um, We're seeing evidence of the last uh, decades or so of the monoculture. Like I, I yeah. legit don't even know how many radio stations there were, but it feels like one or right. two, and they right. the genres were the same. Like everybody's listening to the same shit, um, and it's the the music all feels like it comes from the same four or five artists. Not a necessarily a knock, but much like sixty two is going to go into sixty three, and nothing will ever be the same again. That's 
uh, more the case for music than anything else. Like there's right. about to someone's about to plug right. in a fucking guitar and beat the shit out of all of this. Marty McFly, right? Yes, it will yeah. be Marty yeah. McFly. Gonna, he will teach will Chuck Berry how <laughs> to do all this. Um, this is not the Rolling Stones per se, but at one point, the, most of this music is not from '62. You know, this this whole, the whole movie is the '50s. Going back to yeah. the thing Greg always says yeah. about. The 50s ended in 62, or the decade takes... Greg does say that all the time, Two years later to end. Um, but Milner, right, says, the Beach Boys come on. Is like, I hate this shit. And it's yeah, like, yeah, I hate this surf rock shit. Yeah, it's because they're heralding right. the end of your fucking time, right. bro. That's why he you says, hate it. The rock and roll's been going downhill since Buddy Holly died. And so nice that that grouchy, close-minded, anti-future looking has been grousing for decades. Right. <laughs> uh, is it... Is it like besides just creating this ambiance though? Is it doing much for us? You say like it, it's a one generation leaving. It, it helps underscore that. I kept looking for like cues in the music to help us like understand the text of the film. Is it working it, on that level? It's. I mean, sometimes it's very literal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost like reality TV show literal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it also, I think, it, like on an at an editing level, helps you transition from one disparate storyline to the next. It's like, well, this person's also listening to Wolfman right now, uh-huh. so you just like can pan across the city while Wolfman's talking of his hilarious prank tapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you're listening to right now. There's. The story Holy shit, goes, that was good. That did sound a lot like it. <laughs> the story goes that there was right. no money left for non-diegetic music. Okay, I was wondering. That was right. good. That's another blunderfuck that worked for them. Yeah. Like yeah. That puts us in the movie so much more that all we can hear is either this person's radio or that person's radio. That is literally mm-hmm. our only options in the entire movie. Yeah, I noticed I, when I think of this movie, the first thing I think of is cars. Um not cars two, two. no uh is, is, is that the movie but that you watch it while you eat beans Aut- <laughs> 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 only when i'm going to the theater in alaska right um but this movie begins before there's anything there is this music and it's like before we're given any visual the music is the backdrop um and then uh, within the uh, like the prom or whatever whatever they're doing, I noticed they sang. Um, what's that one song that's so controversial that they sang? Uh, two Life Crews, Me So Owners. That I like their rendition. Um, Louis Louis. Yeah, Louis Louis. Do you think they would have really sung that back then? I don't know. Isn't that also the best song from 24-Hour Party People? Hell yeah, I was going to say, not the best version we've seen throughout yeah. the year. I loved the 24-Hour Party People version. It's uh, that The first song from this movie is Rock Around the Clock, which is also the first song from... The first rock and roll song used in movies, right? That's the song that opened the Blackboard Jungle, and that's the first rock song in movie history from, like... 17 years earlier. Okay, that's a good fact. That's and, a fun and fact. And that's also, like, so... That's George Lucas being like obvious dipshit. Like we're going to yeah. rock around the clock all night. Like, <laughs> do you get the movie you're about to watch? <laughs> uh, what is the the Wolfman Jack angle? Like, they, he meets him and it's played by the real Wolfman, but he's either pretending not to be the Wolfman or he's playing not the Wolfman. His character is it's, called Disc Jockey. It's it's not quite a narrator because that would be annoying. Yeah, not quite uh, a Greek chorus. 
But it is, but it, it, it kind of, again, I think it's the connective tissue even more than the songs. And then it gives this small town a mythology and talking about what, before the internet, you just, the, the stories they tell about Wolfman Jack, <laughs> I hear you, floats around in an air balloon because the <laughs> FBI is after him because playing songs is illegal, man, on the one radio station we can all listen time to. Out, time out, time out, time out, time out. No, you fucking didn't. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? What? Like, he's a DJ. Why are you saying that? I, I literally... Modesto, fucking nuts. I literally read that he files, filed down his eye teeth so that they were sharper. Apparently, I'd buy that. Apparently, the Wolfman thing was not like just like a name. He was committed to like the Wolfman aesthetic. On, the, on full moons, he'd go to police stations and scream, "Lock me up! Lock, <laughs> lock me up! Lock me up!" <laughs> Dressed as Hillary um, Clinton. <laughs> I, uh, he was ahead of his time. I think I first saw him on, and this is just how this fucking nostalgia shit worked when we were kids. I think I first saw him on Married with Children because mm-hmm. this era wouldn't go away yeah um this is from like when i was like this is i remember hearing about this in high school or whenever we were watching this movie but the whole popsicle thing oh yeah the get yourself is a popsicle it, yeah is it because of his throat because that's where my innocent brain went is like well yeah he's talking in his raspy voice he's gotta eat those popsicles to soothe the throat he is stuck with the popsicles and richard dreyfus very adamantly says, no, I don't want one. He doesn't take Popsicle. So Wolfman Jack is stuck there in that Popsicle, in that pop cycle, with uh, that pop uh, cycle. Is that George so Lucas, it, or is that we, ha- we have to add stuff to this movie because there's not yeah, enough? I don't know. That might be Coppola. Uh, that, yeah, it, it does feel like, the fucking Hades be like, eat this and then you'll be trapped here forever. <laughs> Adding to the, again, the mythology is he's not any, I like, it feels like Santa. I'm like, no, I'm not Santa. I'm one of his helpers. Uh, like <laughs> the, to, to build up, like Wolfman Jack is like this town, this dirty little four horse town needs magic and Wolfman's <laughs> going to deliver it. Yeah. And I think that's what, where the wizard of Oz thing comes from. Or like, that's what I was yeah. getting to is that like, he, seems like a letdown but then also provides what all of the people need anyway you know whether it was yeah. in you all along that like the, the it's not the magic you want but it's the magic you need it's the magic you also deserve. he's like what do you mean i'm not wolfman jack this yeah. other guy is really yeah i it know. sound a lot like yeah, here i'll uh, play his tape right now <laughs> see our voices are different yeah like it's like dude that sounds exactly like you and you look kind of like a wolfman <laughs> I, think, I think this is who you are, but uh, Richard Drive is, like, too polite to say that. Yeah. When you hear this music, like, does it get you jazz? Like, do you do, – do we still care about this music? Uh, yeah, but for shitty reasons. Like – Because it reminds you of going to Johnny Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody's burgers. birthday. Yeah, the chili fries. Noodle um, skirts. Just because we were told for so long that this was the best. And then when this wasn't the best, we were told that the Beatles were the best. And, you know, we, like, we definitely know more about the next phase of – Rock or pop, hundred gex, <laughs> the, or then this phase. But yeah, like it, it really does put you there more than in like costumes or even cars for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Ryan. I was just gonna say I'm not a car czar because I don't know what cars are. Got to go to speed round. Speaking of the songs, forty two songs on this soundtrack and no Smash Mouth. What gives? 
missed opportunity, and that is a they are pissing on the grave of Steve. They might as well and be I walking on the it. sun. I would have used El Padrino. Yes, dude. Perfect choice. Oh, no, wait. Oh, that's a deep right. cut. Because you're the Fonz. Yes. Oh, my wow. gosh. Wow. I'm upset how many songs you know by them. <laughs> Gotta check out Smash Mouth. Uh, we we made, we alluded to this. What storyline could be dropped? Like, if they were like, okay, we need this movie to be a little bit shorter. We're just going to take out one of these storylines. What would you recommend they take out? I, I think for the quality of acting... And what the movie is trying to say, the one that hits the least is Lil Ronnie Howard's. Lil Ronnie Howard's trying to break up with and make his girlfriend at the same time. Yeah. Just do it in the opposite order, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking... But he's also a dirtbag. <laughs> also a dirtbag. Ryan, if you had to get rid of one storyline, what storyline do you think you'd get rid of? I. That's a really hard question. I guess Toad? Toad. Yeah. I have to say, Toad has like a weird energy. Like he spends the whole time lying to the to the girl, and I feel like it reminds us that like so much of getting with girls in movies at this time was like you just lie to them constantly and it, like how like r- the weird rapey vibes. Yeah, that it's has. real revenge of the nerds type yeah, of and it, track. It, she is so interesting in one way, this character, because um, she obviously knows about cars. And it's like, I kind of got the feeling that, like, she's a car girl. And yeah. there's not, like, that room for that in the culture. And so she just has to pretend like she likes the guys that are attached to cars. But she is a very unrealized character. Like, she basically takes whatever happens and she's just like, yeah, okay. I mean, I am here to be a part of the stories of the male characters in this movie. It's kind of like a Suzanne Summer's role, oddly enough. Ah. And she, believe it or not, is the only, I believe, performance that was nominated for an Oscar. Okay. Well, I mean, it's an interesting performance. It's not It's not the actual. Yeah, it's underwritten. She does everything yeah, she can. Yeah, she's it. laying a lot of things on there, yeah. Uh, what would you rather be, a moose or a pharaoh? Uh, I thought you were going to say squirrel. Moose or squirrel? <laughs> Two awful groups. The and mo- I know we don't see that much from the moose, but they suck too. Yeah. And then the pharaohs, I don't want to be part of any gang that like Would have you as a you member? bullies you. Would, exactly. I feel uh, like the gangs at this time, they, they're like just just youths that don't know what to do. Like they, gangs really haven't like kind of hit it at this point. They're like the gangs at Disneyland. Like, oh, you guys just have the same yeah. jacket. Yeah. That's all. I mean, they're like, we're going to go find a guy sitting on a car, and then we're just going to kind of like take him around for the evening, but constantly talk about how we might drag him behind a car. I thought that was a good bit, though. Like, they, yeah. one of them just made that up on the spot, and the rest just rolled with it. Yeah, dude. Like, and then drag you on the car, see? Behind the car. I have to say, it was less fun having just watched coffee, though. <laughs> That's that is a, true. Not, not doing <laughs> a ton for me. Um, what does this movie have to say about relationships between men and women, and is it comfortable for us? I mean, it's it's gross, but they're kids. That, that's yeah, not an I, excuse, but it, it's saying like they don't know what they want yet. They don't want partners. Yeah, and they don't know uh, quite what to do, and they're kind of trying to like go through like they're kind of trying to play these inherited roles that don't yeah. work in the modern era, and also like don't work for them as individuals. Everything that comes out of Ron Howard's mouth is a burp with words. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking tool, Ryan. What slang from this movie should we never have lost? Oh. You want to know mine? Yes. Yes. Boss. Yeah. Not, I like, yeah, I like boss. People still say it occasionally. I think saying something is boss is 
amazing. It's, it's like buff. so very cool. Do they say cherry? I think they might say cherry. There's one other one that was that was really big, and wouldn't you know it? Now I cannot think of what it is. What in this movie demanded for there to be a sequel? And is the sequel in any way a betrayal of this movie? He said loadedly. Yeah, I think nothing demanded a sequel. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> to the point like for a while, George Lucas was like, "Oh, maybe we could do this." And then enough time passed, he was like, "Wait, that would be the stupidest idea. I should always just tell contained stories." So he. Unlearn that lesson at some point. <laughs> but I think his instinct was correct to not continue this. I heard he said that contains stories thing and then immediately got hit in the head with an oar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could see, I'm not suggesting this, so Hollywood, put your pencils down, even though the writer's strike is over. Um, I could see something along the lines of Linklater's before series. No, not mm. like that at all. But like in... 83 make one about 73 and in 93 yeah. make, you know, sort of do that with all new characters right. but do not milk so spiritual successors right but don't milk this shit for more money milk money when we come back it's time to get to some awards and if i remember some recommendations this movie is hardcore boomer fair so with apologies to the beasters we're gonna give out some awards not for participation but still <laughs> we're gonna give out some awards here and if i remember one recommendation how could i say it twice and then forget let's see people let's see it together i so, recommend you shut the fuck up i recommend you shut the fuck up shut the fuck up i know that was you i ain't even gotta look oops i didn't even do the right one i recommend you shut the fuck up <laughs> that's the one that is the one. Okay, let's start with the pound-for-pound pound performance. Mike, who's got your P-for-P? P? Uh, Ryan alluded to this earlier where it's it's crazy how many careers this launched, but Paul Lamatt just disappeared. Uh, I think he is in the sequel, unfortunately, but the <laughs> stuff he's injecting into like the James Dean prototype, yeah. and again, doing a lot with a little, and... I think carrying like the most believable growth in there and, and like really nuanced human moments yeah. uh, for being just like a street tough. <laughs> I don't know if Milner watched Rebel Without a Cause or I don't know if Paul Lamott was doing James Dean, but his shrinking down into his cab all the time <laughs> yeah. and like always looking like that, it's so overdone. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Because it's clear, it, it feels like Lamatt. It's like, no, this is what Milner would do. Right, exactly. Like. It, that's what, yeah. Um, I thought for sure that as much as, like, he's kind of a piece of shit, I can't get over how naturalistic, naturalistic as hell, Richard Dreyfus is. His smirk. There's a part where, just throwaway scene where, like, the, uh, he's like, I don't know if it's the teacher or somebody at the dance, like, brings him up to meet a couple of girls. And this smirk that he has on his face, he's trying to be cool, but, like, he can't wipe the smirk mm -hmm. up because yeah. there's girls there. He's doing this the entire movie, and yeah. I think that he is a league above everybody else. Ron Howard is so clearly practiced. He's been acting since the day he was born. He's reading the lines, and he's doing an, a fine job, but Richard Dreyfuss is a league above everybody except for, and I couldn't believe this this time, that I had never noticed it or how great she is, uh, Laverne and or Shirley, played by <laughs> Cindy Williams. Um, she... She not only does she have to be with this fucking bag of dicks named uh, Ron Howard, but what she does without speaking, what she, what we watch her realize, what we watch, like her go through 
realizing that her relationship will never be the same. You know, and it's not like because this is the last night in town or whatever. Yeah. It's that everything I sort of knew about this person, uh, this town, this life, it's not a lie, but there's a lot of curtains being pulled back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her This was a weird temporary arrangement, apparently. Right. Like we exactly. were only lasting until he decided he was gonna go somewhere else. And I had no idea. And also, now he's staying, but I have all this information. Yeah. And now I'm going to marry a fucking accountant from Modesto? What the <laughs> fuck is my life? I wish I were dead. Her seeing him talking to the waitress, they're both sitting in the booth, and he's like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I'm single now. And she's like, well, you should come over to my house then. Um, her, da- they go back to the hop, the high school hop, to like, because they're even though they've graduated, and her... Yeah, that is such a weird... There's nothing else to do in this town. <laughs> they're dancing, and she's trying to, like, smile, but also realize that her world is crumbling around her. Yeah. That scene rules. She's dressing him down while they're doing, like, a romantic slow dance. Yeah. I I, I, I thought Dreyfus was a slam dunk, but it's got to be Cindy Williams. Right. I like how somebody watched this movie and went, we got to get this lady into a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. This is a sitcom actress. Uh, how about director's signature moment? Now, a lot of people are going to say when the, the shot that panned over and there was just a big spaceship there. Jar Jar Binks driving the car. Yeah. Uh, Misa got to cruise all night. Uh, <laughs> but, Ryan, what do you think is the George Lucas moment of the movie? I think it's got to be, um, and it's not just the two races between Milner and Ford. Does he drive a Ford Harrison? <laughs> His uh, name's like Balco or something. Wilco. Falco? Let me see. I got it right here, but it is too Ooh, rock me, Amadeus? It is, it's too small for my eyes. Is it Falcor? See. At one point, does he say Andros's enemy is my enemy? Falcor. Um, it's Falta. But the all of the, the the quick cuts of the cars racing, knowing that he had no money, the use of all of the cameras, the making sure that he had enough coverage and how great it looks, sort of makes me buy what comes next for him. You know, like. It's a clear focal point for him. It became too much of a focal point. But all of the stuff around the cars looks incredible. Yeah. And not what you would expect with a budget so low. His way of, so his way of filming the cars. The vehicles, yeah. yeah Particularly like, in the, the initial drag race, even more, where it's just like one block. And yeah. then the light turns red. Ford keeps going. Uh, and then the ending drag race, which you know, is a little wonky. Mike, what do you say? I think it's the shot right before the ending drag race where Toad is running out. There's the two cars because he's going to flashlight them to go. And it's all the cars coming to watch. And like the early morning light is wavering through them. And it, it just gives it uh, a really raw, like dangerous, not juvenile feel of what they're about to do. Mm, so we uh, either have the first drag race or the second but no, mine's a specific shot, Greg. It's not just the whole drag. Race. All right, he's lobbying, got, lobbying. He's got lobbying. you there, Ryan. He's oh, got wow. you there. Works every time. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> um, the first thing, and I wasn't even paying attention that closely when I watched. I read about this after I watched the, in the, I, or I saw like a little bit of behind the scenes where it's Mel's diner and there's like this very realistic sunset. And George Lucas was like, that's not pretty enough. And then went back and made it as bright neon pink <laughs> as he could because the man can't stop. <laughs> that's funny. So he made it like uh, look like GTA Miami or something. I did notice, which I, did, I didn't notice until watching this time, but he did that thing where he shot day for night, right? When they're like walking around yeah. at night. You can like, you can see them squinting against the sun. <laughs> you can see them like the sun shining off of their faces, but it's all just very, like very dark looking. You can see Ron Howard getting sunburnt as they talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
How about cringing? Were we doing, Mike, a little bit of cringing while watching this movie? Yeah, I think there, there's a lot of jokes about rape, but from the mouth of babes, so who knows? a lot of jokes about rape in this uh, movie. That I was like, oh, maybe these, but no, I think it's Kurt going from seeing the teacher definitely hook up with that student yes. and loving it into a weird smash cut of like, oh, people fucking outside the dance. I'm going to peer in and just smirk at them for a while. <laughs> and I was like, what is this doing? What is this doing to the, for the character, for the movie? Ryan, what do you say? Um, this is so obvious. Uh, where were you in 62? It's, I mean, like, that we're told constantly the movie takes place in 1962. They drive... It's even on the sleeve of somebody's jacket. Which is, now you have to throw away that shirt in a year. Like, okay, <laughs> good decision. Uh, they drive past a movie theater, and on the marquee is the name of Francis Ford Coppola's first movie, Dementia 13, which came out in 1963, you fucking what? pieces of shit. <laughs> I could not have cringed more. You well, it had a soft open in Modesto. <laughs> it's... I- it's California's Hollywood. I'm going to award you both no points and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I got to say, there are so many cringy moments, most of them from Claire. They're the idea that Claire, the young girl, said that she's constantly threatening. I'll say that you raped me. Uh, uh-huh. I think it, it, like, it makes it seem like that's the only instance in which there would be rape as a conversation point. It's something a woman like accuses a man of doing constantly. Right. But that's not even the cringe moment. My cringe moment is she yells out about someone's car. Your car is uglier than me. You're not ugly, Claire. Don't say that. That makes me feel so bad. <laughs> they made that actress say that. She's not ugly. She's just 12. Nobody looks good <laughs> when they're 12. She later went on to have a consensual affair with her father. Is, the, is that character? True? The actress. That's what? <laughs> You can't just so Ryan, why why you gotta bum us out, man? We're on a podcast. I gotta guys I gotta give you guys the information I have. I'm cringing, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Consensual? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's true. Well, I, it started off as I believe rape, but turned consensual at Holy some point. shit, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay, Claire. Okay. Anywho, got the the next one the next word is this is the guy from Star Wars? What does that mean? Mike, was this your uh contribution? Uh, yeah, like th- this, uh, like the most human nuanced. I didn't know he could do that. I didn't know we could care about humans and where uh, from a George you, Lucas joint. Where did you see that? Uh, it's I, I think, again, I love this guy, but it's it's Milner's dealing with his friends moving on uh, and he isn't. The anger he has, so it's a pretty early scene, if I can't just say his whole performance, but it's him being like you guys are gonna go to high school dance like he is so pissed (laughs) that they don't want to hang out with him on their last night before they even forever because he's stuck there because he's just like a car guy uh but he refuses to his ego is like well i'm not gonna fucking go to that dance then i think what you're doing is stupid this is all bullshit uh it's that i was just like man this is a layered humanity in a way that more layers has never showed again than you tend to see ryan what do you say what is the the most surprise moment from lucas yeah i mean that's the scene that i'm picking it's the core four um and probably though like one of the few times that they're all together even though that doesn't make sense if you haven't watched the movie in a long time you just think like well yeah they spend most of the movie together yeah. they, they do not that's not true and right. it's sort of like um if let's say you're an oc fan Okay, let's um, say that. The first one of the first couple of scenes will be in the kitchen for breakfast and you sort of get the rundown on how the episode's going to work. And these guys, the amount of information you get about these characters just watching mm-hmm. them be themselves 
just their normal ass selves with almost no arrows or uh, like hanging a lantern on anything is unbelievable. Here's my whole deal. Right. Yeah. No references to the uh, Trade Federation. <laughs> no parliamentary actions. Right. Hard. Hard to. Well, that was the bad part about it. <laughs> yeah. Because I needed more what, of that. That's what you really want to see. I think I'll give that one to Ryan. Ryan. And then Ryan, the next question is: uh, This is the guy. From Star Wars, but like with a different intonation. And what is the second intonation? Yeah, this is. Um, sometimes he sucks. Sometimes he sucks. <laughs> you know, uh, folks, I know it's hard to hear, but sometimes George Lucas sucks. And I think um, that the more I watch this movie, the more the ending or the climax, maybe not the uh, final scene, the but final drag. The yeah is. And the way it ends is unnecessary and poorly handled. I don't think the movie needs nor earns something that explosive, literally and figuratively. Right. Like, yeah. um, it, it's, it, they barely care. Like the camera barely cares. The characters barely care. That is fucking borderline death. And they're like, Oh fuck my car. And, uh, I, I, I love Milner's thing of like, no, he would have beat me and he can't get over it. That is the sort of, you know, uh, fleshing out of character that we've been getting the whole movie. But the right. whole, I feel like he sweat he, or he started to sweat and he was like, no, we need some yeah. big explosion at the end. And it was totally unnecessary. It's hard to commit to a movie where you're just driving slowly down the street for right. the entire time. But <laughs> then it feels a little bit like a betrayal when suddenly you throw in something. Yeah. Mike, do you agree or do you have a different moment? No, I agree. And, and it's it's that. But it's also for me, it's. In, in the pound-for-pound pound performance, Ryan, you talked about Lori, and it's everything she's learned, but because she got in this car wreck, she's like, I'm with him again. I guess I'm with him again. It's and the it's, end of speed, right? It's just showing George Lucas has fucking no idea how people work or what makes them make decisions. Yeah. it, it he They had almost this perfect film. And he was like holding himself in check the entire time. And then, like you said, Ryan, he just he freaked out. And I think, Mike, your moment exemplifies it perfectly, which is the okay, now I, I just love you. Don't leave me. I'm so sad. Uh, also, just from like a, an, an independent observer, that car accident, two people that definitely didn't have seatbelts on. Mm, that would not that would not have gone well at all. No, Harrison's shoulder is obviously He's a little like, sore. My arm, it's tender there. <laughs> And he automatically has a head wrap band-aid, or bandage, because uh-huh. that's how old movies work. And a cartoon lump. For recommendations. <gasps> we're I, doing it! We're doing it, everybody. I'm going to start, uh, and I am going to... This is a car movie for me, first and foremost. It's the like just the shots of like parking lots. Just looking at all the different vehicles, they're so beautiful. I don't know enough about cars from this era to like be like, oh, that's this car, that's this car. But just the, the way they look is amazing. Um, and so it got me thinking about great car movies. And one of the greatest car movies of all time is 1971's Le Mans, which is about the 24 hours of Le Mans. And it stars um, Steve McQueen, who also had a huge hand in making it. And it's one of the most real car movies of all time. They actually filmed at the 24 hours of Le Mans. The movie is 24 hours long. It's 24 hours long. long. No cuts, no butts, and not a single coconut. That last one's not surprising. Yeah, if they're you hungry. Wouldn't, you wouldn't expect to see many coconuts, but it starts with you know the the getting the track set up and uh, getting all the cars tuned and everything. There's almost no plot um, that was like seen at, by McQueen as like artificial for this movie, and so they just wanted to like focus on on the car racing. And if you love looking at pretty cars, 
which my number one attraction to motorsports is literally just looking at pretty cars. Uh, Le Mans from 1971 is the way to go. I recently saw Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah, dude. Because perfect. I had a child and... Yeah, you're a dad. It's a dad movie. It's four dads. So in between episodes of Yellowstone, I watched Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, I don't know if I, this sounds naive, but I was a little disappointed to find out that Christian Bale and another driver would switch off. I think you guys sign up. You're driving for 24 hours straight. Because it's it be a Mons. Don't be a like yeah. Mons up and but do it's, it. But it's lay Mons. Be a lay Mons, Mons up. <laughs> yeah, you have an empty milk jug to pee in. You have to have teams. Part of what's so cool about motorsports is there's the guy in the car at the given moment, but then there's like this team of hundreds of people making that happen. And in Le Mans, part of that is you you have to take a nap during the race because it's 24 hours. Cruise so. control. <laughs> Mike, what is your recommendation? Uh, I, I did, the, the the first thought that I didn't do, we talked about it a lot is Days and Confused. If you haven't seen it, go watch that. But uh, a human-focused, small-stakes, coming-of-age story that I think got too often forgotten because its trailers made it look like super no, bad, and it was not don't super do bad it. at all, is Adventureland. God damn it, <laughs> you fucking pig. <laughs> Why am I a pig? <laughs> oh, because that's yours. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh you it is so, so sweet and i think very grounded in its specific time which i i think is 80s Do yeah late Ryan? 70s early 80s uh and surprising performances and by surprising i mean everybody's doing a really good job even ryan reynolds that, even ryan reynolds in an era none of them had good reputations then except maybe eisenberg owner of Mint um, mobile ryan reynolds yes owner of several Mint other wrexham FC? Yeah, uh, I went to Google Hill, and I was like, I don't give a fuck about cars. Uh, only Cars 2 and Cars 3. And so I, much like Mike, wanted to pick a Teens Hanging Out movie. And I think recommendations are, it's important to, like, not do Dazed and Confused, you know? Yeah. Uh, just like Mike did not do it. Um, and But he almost did. This is the one that, like, not enough people have seen that is truly, truly yeah. great. Because all the other ones, your book smarts, your super's bad. Uh, people know Mike. about. Mike. Dude, I gotta say, I watched a little bit of Book Smart the other day, and it does not hold up. It is so like the dialogue is just fucking. It's it hurts to watch. It's just because kids are annoying, man. You're just too old. <laughs> I fucking dare you. Yeah. Go watch Yellowstone. Why? Why would I be wearing this Jansport backpack if I'm too old? If I'm too old, why would I be wearing this transport? Well, those are great recommendations. Check those out. And even if no one has told you to, just maybe check out Days and Confused. Like, we're not saying that, obviously, because that'd be hack, but think about <laughs> it. When we come back, I'm going to tell you who won this episode. And then also, we're going to talk about whether or not we think American Graffiti has what it takes to beat all the other movies across the line. Mike, you scored 42 points. What do you think, big guy? That I it's the best I've done in a while. It is the best you've done in a while. But I assume the season will end the way it's gone. Unfortunately, Ryan scored forty five. Ryan, congratulations. Uh if it makes you feel any better, Mike, I think Ryan scored a few points with that really weird piece of information <laughs> about the girl and her yeah. dad. <laughs> and it also just turned my brain off so maybe, for the next five dude, minutes. The show stopped. It absolutely <laughs> stopped. And I still like I have not recovered. It, it did feel like the ring where Ryan's like, if I don't pass this on, I will die. So I have to pass this to these guys. Her dad was a member of the Mamas and the Papas. And like 
shit got fucking crazy. Yeah, dude. I I, I think yeah. that there was a time where uh, too much was explored <laughs> in, <laughs> in, in, in the world, and I I think that we 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 went too far in some direction. Another crazy mama's in the Papa story. Uh, everybody thought that Mama Cass died from choking on a ham sandwich. She did not. I so there's a lot of crazy stories. Her daughter recently just like announced that, right? My mom did not die by choking on a ham sandwich. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. Uh, uh, mine neither. <laughs> Yet. What do we think about American Graffiti? Do we think it's got what it takes to go very far in this bracket? I, I think it's hard for when we're like, not just what's the best movie watched, but what encapsulates 1973 and throughout the past seasons when a movie is such a period piece, mm. it's really hard. It's going to hit that wall. When I think of 1973, do I think of 1962? Not really. <laughs> well, that's your loss. But I mean, yeah, I guess that's on me. I think George George Lucas does, but we don't have that same that same connection to that. I, yeah, I looked up his like why did he pick 62? I was like, oh, he was born 18 years before 1962. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that this movie did not lose any ground in my uh, esteem. And I think that was super important for me. I feel like that Mike came in with that dude. And I didn't mm. feel that throughout the course of the show. Mike, did you come in? Yeah, too did stanky? that change? No, dude, do you know what it is? Is it one, when you peel something apart, you're going to like it more. But I just remember it blowing my socks off yeah. in high school and like, Oh, and so when I watched it again, I went, Oh, this is fine. It's a fine and little it, it just, film, right? It didn't blow my lid off the way. It did. I, I thought it might again, and so That's the, the two. I, I, maybe sometimes we play things up for the audience. Guys. Uh, I maybe. forgot that we're not supposed to mention that. Also, <laughs> do not get your lid and your socks blown off by the same movie. Like I'm naked here. <laughs> you're gonna be cold. I feel like uh, the way I feel about this movie is how I used to feel about Paper Moon. Like fine little film. Uh, glad I watched it. I will watch this movie again in the, in the future and enjoy it. But it feels like in a different league than the types of movies that I really consider like what's going to win movie mm-hmm. of the year. So I would say it kind of, it, it, it's, it could maybe win an early round, but I think it's going to run out of gas. No, ah! pun, no pun intended. I think it's going to be parked at Mel's Tough. diner. In pun no taken. Time. Uh, best car, probably some nominations. Oh yeah. Maybe musical moment. Best Wolfman Jack Shit performance. Heads. Shitheads. There's oh, a lot of, Oh dude. Shitheads. Yeah. Chocolate uh, block full of shitheads. Best chocolate block. That'll go oh, to yeah. Mike for that last one he just used. But you know, we we ask this question at the end of every show, but it maybe is a little bit different at the end of this show because this is the last of the sixteen movies that we see. No, there's probably like four more, right? There there is not. I know you're thinking like, well, clearly we're gonna watch Tuki Buki, but no, there's actually been a, a hair of controversy about that. We're not there are no movies left. The slate is full. This is the last one. Wait, would we even understand Tiki Buki if we didn't watch Wonky Bunky? <laughs> <laughs> you already won. He's already dead, man. Stop. The, 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 stop it. Stop there's it. no points left in uh, the 73 season. That made me belly laugh. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if this has what it takes, but um, what you need to do now, listeners, is reflect on the movies you've seen. Go back. Check them out one last time. Rewatch Westworld. Yeah, make sure you get a a good look at Westworld, the made-for-TV for the movies movie. <laughs> Maybe go back, review some of them, see what you think 
would be your personal choice for movie of the year. And then come back here in one week as we start to whittle these things down. But until then, as I just said you should do, keep watching this movie.